Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Brokerpreneur Podcast. I am Dr. Ben Spears. Um, I'm usually here with the big guy, Matt Vaya, as usual, but he is not here. He's not here today. So um, I get the pleasure of interviewing our guest. I'm going to get right into it, um, give you a little bit about his bio, and, uh, and 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 he can just correct me if any of this is wrong at the end, but I believe it's right. Um, I'm, I'm here with Eric Huberman, a CEO, marketer, public speaker, thought leader, author of The Hawk Method, um, which is a book that, that I've read and I've talked to you guys about before, and I Absolutely love it. Um, the, the fastest growing marketing consultancy um, ever, and 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 it's you know eight eight years. Is is that right, Eric? Yeah, just over. Gotcha. So he's he's an Inc. top twenty five marketing influencers, Forbes thirty under thirty. Worked with companies like Red Bull, Verizon, and worked with over three three thousand brands, over two hundred employees. Let's go ahead and bring on Eric Huberman. How you doing, Eric? Doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're you know we're we're so grateful that you're here. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to you a little bit before, you know, when we got started about how, you know, our, our, our listeners, our, our brokers and owners across the country, and, I, and I've talked to them several times about how, gosh, you know, they got to have patience and they got to, um, you know, yeah, uh, get, get into the marketing game in a sense of, hey, this is a little bit of a long-term play, you know, don't look for something to happen overnight. And that's really what I want us to talk about today. But before we get started, I want to get a little bit of your background. So tell us, you know, um, you know, how you, how you you got started. I know you're an entrepreneur at the age of nine. Uh, <laughs> so what's that look like? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I grew up with a father that was an entrepreneur, funny enough, in the real estate space. So um, he was in waste and real estate. So from a really young age, my dad was kind of pushing me to go make my own money. He, uh, when I was, you know, three, four years old, I don't think I've ever shared this. He like got me excited about the idea of saving enough money to get the next size dollar bill. So it wasn't to buy anything. It was just like, I could get save enough to get a five, then a 10, then a 20, then a 50. And I like climbed up that. And then I really wanted to make more. So at six years old, I grabbed a bunch of my parents' stuff, threw it in a trash bag, just decided they didn't need it anymore and <laughs> walked door to door trying to sell my parents' things to our neighbors. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's, that, that's incredible. I, I think, I think more kids need to hear kind of that, that message. I know, I know I've got my kids out there, you know, hustling, hustling as it is, but, uh, that's, that's such a good, such a good story. But, you know, if my kids are listening, you know, sell some of your own stuff. Don't, don't, don't put my stuff in a bag and go out and try and say. <laughs> yeah. I think I was selling his golf balls for like five cents a piece. Like he's like, he has plenty of these. Like that's how I thought about it. But then at eight, I wanted to, I grew up wanting to be a guitarist and a musician. And at eight, I told my dad like, Hey, I need an electric guitar. I need to go, you know, I'm going to need one. And my dad's like, great, get a fucking job was literally his response <laughs> verbatim to an eight year old, which you know, if I heard that now, someone tell their eight-year-old, like, yeah, get a fucking job. It'd be like, come on, man. But that eight-year-old, meaning me at the time, you take it at face value. It's not like I took that as an insult. I was like, oh, okay, I'll get a job. And so- Yeah, you were I, learning. Yep. I tried the uh, lemonade stand and selling flowers on the side of the road. And the only fun part of that, I realized that as an eight young, a smaller eight-year-old, if I ran in front of a car, it was at a, I stopped at a, or I set up at a stop sign. And if I stood in front of their car, they wouldn't run me over and they'd feel guilty. People, I learned <laughs> at that age, nobody likes to say no. Right. So I, uh, I would just stand there and be like, you want to buy? And they'd have to tell me no. And like very rarely would they tell me no. So I did well there, but not well enough. And so then I started buying and selling beanie babies. I saw people getting crazy for them. And as an eight year old, I ended up making a few thousand bucks. So I bought oh, the nice. guitar, I bought a BMX, I saved some money for a car. It was a fun start to like really liking business, thinking it was a means to get my guitar. And looking back, it really is what kicked off my passion for building businesses. And uh, yeah, so fast forward, 
decided I wasn't that good at music, went to, uh, just thought I'd want to go into music management and then went, music can just be a hobby. And I went to business school at Arizona, University of Arizona, and thought I would get into real estate, worked in my dad's real estate office for a year, realized I could never work with my dad. And so <laughs> then I got a job selling Cutco knives, kitchen knives, door to door, yep. and wanted to learn sales thrived in it, broke all their records, was their top seller of the year, all this stuff. So I turned out I had a knack for sales at that point. And then I helped start a storm drain filtering business in California based on a while that passed. That was my junior year. was almost going to drop out of college because it was also the in vogue thing to do at the time. That was 2007. And then went, wait, no, I'm not dropping out of college to filter storm drains. So <laughs> left it to my partner. He built it into a multi-million dollar business. It was cool. And then got out and I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. Uh, but I'd really always like real estate. So I'm going to get a job as a commercial real estate agent. Got my license, started at Sperry Venice one week to the day before the entire banking industry collapsed in 2008 in October. And so I uh, didn't know what that meant, much like a lot of people. I had no you know, barometer. So I was like, whatever. Right. I kept calling. And within a couple months, I had like 35 million in listings because I was good at selling. Like, yeah, we'll get it done. I couldn't get an offer on a single thing. And so about six months in, I started looking at other options, maybe starting something. And I ended up spending six months straddling it, building an online music company. And uh, by the time a year was up being there, it was a little less than a year. It was the end of July. Uh, we had a real estate auction and they just, the agency, the brokerage completely dropped the ball in supporting the auction. So I brought a shitload of listings to it, but no one showed up to buy. And yeah. I was like, all right, I'm out. And so started doing... Uh, uh, this online music business was business coaching for musicians, built that for two years, hired a CEO to take it over because it was profitable, but not that big. And I realized it wasn't going to be this massive thing. And then I built a t-shirt subscription company online, sold it after a year and a half, built a women's activewear brand and worked at the incubator at launched like Dollar Shave Club and a bunch of other brands that you would know. I uh, did that for a year and then spun out and started my own little uh, marketing team started consulting, advising, realized marketing is just a really broken industry. So started building a team that I thought was doing it right. So fast forward, you name some of the numbers, but yeah, we're about 300 people. Now we actively manage marketing for about 600 brands, but have worked with about 4,000 at this point. We oh, have nice. about 50 and we also have our venture fund. We're on our second fund. It's a $50 million fund. We have a financing arm where we'll give loans for to our clients to help them grow faster when they have working capital constraints. Uh, we're launching our software uh, side of the business actually in two days. So it's been a fun Two ride. days. Yeah, yeah you, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've heard you talk about this before and you just mentioned it there, you know, for a second ago about marketing being a, bro a broken industry. And, and, you know, I, I've, 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 I've heard several interviews of you talking about it and I, and I want to make sure that our, our listeners get to hear it as well, because I completely agree. You know, how many times do we, do we see ads of, you know, Hey, you know, I'm, I made a million dollars in a week and, you know, I can show you how to do the same yeah. thing. Or, um, you know, I get, <clears throat> I, I subscribe to everything. I'm that, I'm that guy. I, I love, I love swipe files. I love reading, you know, marketing and, 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 uh, and, and so, Tell, tell us a little bit what you mean about the industry, marketing industry yeah. being broken. So really, it's just, the problem is it's one of the only industries that you don't need any type of certification to make manage large amounts of money. Yep. So, you know, in California, which I know it's California, but there's like 260 different jobs that you have to have a license for, including milk delivery or everyone knows mm -hmm. you're the person that cuts your hair needs a license. Yep. We manage 350, 400 million dollars in other people's money. We don't need anything. And right. so the issue is, 
you can get it be a, have a good salesman that's good at spitting out jargon and he can convince people to give him money and usually you don't know that it's not working for a few months you know and so you these people run these agencies that just burn through clients you know and you know take advantage of people that don't know better and it's it's a it's the bad underbelly of our business but it's about 99% of the agencies out there are just full of shit and they don't even know they're full of shit it's not always malicious sometimes it is but they're idiots is frankly the the truth i'm just going to be <laughs> about it there it's and listen you deal as someone that came from the real estate business and I invest a lot in the real estate business it's similar you know the 99 very low of barrier of entry very low barrier to entry at least you need a license so there's at least some commitment yeah. there. <laughs> right. still you go out there like i you know the agents listening like how many agents have you run into that you're like how are you advising someone on buying or selling a property like who is this yeah. person it's worse in marketing because you don't even need to get the license or have any oversight. Like there's no regulation whatsoever. So, you know, this is something we're working on, but getting re a, an industry regulated is a very difficult thing. And it turns out I started actually exploring this. The problem with regulating marketing is by nature, lobbyists are considered marketers. And so, oh, if you, okay. so trying to get a lobbyist to literally regulate themselves, very difficult thing to do. Um, <laughs> right. I can only so imagine. I went down that path and literally had three different lobby firms say, no, we're not going to do this. Um, yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And so, like, and so what ends up happening is you have tons of agencies that don't understand the basic the basics of building a business. They can yeah. sell you, again, uh, buzzwords. We all will do your Facebook and your TikTok and this and that. And a lot of business owners are like, yeah, I think we need that. You're the guy that does it. Okay, fine. The pro Again, the problem is they have no idea how to leverage those things to actually grow businesses. They don't understand. The, the biggest thing that I see, and we talked about this before we got on, the number one problem I see in marketing is people don't understand that it takes time. There's something called a purchase cycle or consideration period. Every agent would know this because you know, the moment you meet someone that wants to buy a house, do you sell it? Is it done? Oh, does it take, they need to go check it out. They need to do their due diligence. They need to go into escrow, like all those things. Yeah. Same thing with any type of purchase. So yeah. people need to, and it's not as always as structured, but people take time to make purchase decisions. And so people will run these marketing campaigns looking at a day by day performance, which is completely misleading because it can take weeks to months to get, you know, conversion on something. And if you don't track it appropriately, you're going to just miss out on what's actually happening, good or bad. And so the issue is, I'd say, again, 95 plus percent of marketers don't even understand that fact. And they just look yeah. at the numbers on a daily basis. And it's it's not that complicated, but it's complicated enough that you can't just throw an easy dashboard at it. And so then nobody knows how to look at it. And so that's one example of many things that they just don't do right. And so the opportunity cost of marketing is massive if doing it right to wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah. Completely agree with that. You know, and I talk to brokers all the time and, you know, they'll say, gosh, you know, when an agent came into my brokerage, I had a great interview with them, man, they didn't, you know, I, I wasn't able to close, you know, close them or, um, you know, didn't sign up and join my brokerage that day. And I'm like, listen, like, you know, le leaving a brokerage or joining someplace yeah. where, where you're going to work and you're going to, you know, hang your shingle, let's say as an entrepreneur, um, as an agent, it's not the same as buying like a tactical flashlight off of a Facebook ad. <laughs> which, which I'd argue a tactical flashlight still takes a few weeks on average. Yeah. We've, the, yeah. They, marketed, they, we've legitimately marketed tactical flashlights. So I yeah, know so, that. So, yeah. So I hope everyone's listening there. <laughs> it's, a, it's just, it's just, it's just not, it, that's not the process that purchase cycle. You're exactly right. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to talk, right. Cause in your book, you talk about awareness, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think, you know, many people can, um, can achieve, you know, that level, 
right? That's right. the that's the easy level. You know, you can you can post a, a sock online and say, you know, you know, put your logo on it or something, and right. you've created some level of awareness, let's say. But um, you know, awareness, nurture, and trust, kind of define those a little bit. You know, yeah. they're in, they're in your book, kind of define those, and let talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, we call it the three principles of marketing, also the tripod, so to speak. And because if you don't do one of them, the whole thing topples. So awareness is how do you introduce your product service company to a new potential buyer? Yeah. Um, potential being the keyword, not not necessarily a buyer, because again, given a consideration period, we're just talking about like focus on just getting the awareness out there. Now, the awareness to people that have a high propensity to buy is important, but you, you really want to make sure that you're constantly filling that as it's also called the top of the funnel, because you're going to lose customers, you're going to lose brokers, you're going to lose people inherently over time. I always like, I, I've had pushback on this. And I'm like, well, people die. Like not to be morbid, <laughs> but like at some point you're losing your customers. You know, there, there's, there's a timeline on everything. So <laughs> might be a while, but at best that's going to happen. And so the, so you want to be constantly creating new awareness because if you don't, you will decline naturally. Yep. So you have to be filling that. Yeah, and then growing or you're dying. Exactly. And so then nurturing is what you do when you to follow up with those people to actually get them through that consideration period to buy. It's email marketing, it's SMS. If you're in sales or you're hiring someone, it's literally just phone calls. It's, you know, it's content. It's all the things that will warm someone up to get them to buy faster and have a higher chance to buy once they've already been introduced to you. So awareness is that introduction. Nurturing is what you do until they buy. And then post-purchase, how do you keep them? The retention of a customer, whether it's repeat purchases in a product company or it's retention of an employee, it's like you still want to nurture them. And the last piece is trust, also known as brand. Like, why do I, like, if you're the only one telling me this is great and everything, like, why do I trust you? You know, and so if we're talking again about broker recruiting, it's like how what third party validation, like, why do I know that you're going to be the best? Who's used you? What reviews do you have? What press is out there about you? Um, you know, if I if I'm not aware of you already and if you're a massive brokerage that everybody knows, well, you've created your brand and trust and brand are synonymous. And so brand comes from what you deliver consistently. If you're, you know, the broker that's the best at, uh, I don't know, apartments in your city. And yeah, you yeah. are on every major apartment building and every big apartment project wants to use you. If I'm an apartment broker. I might be looking at you guys, maybe, because I might go, well, it's already taken. How am I going to step into that? Or, well, these are the guys that are known for it. So this is where I want to learn if I'm a younger broker. So yeah. these are all things that like what you deliver consistency builds that trust as well, or your brand before that third party validation is really important to build trust. Yep. And guys, we, we talk about this every now and then too, right? So, you know, when you have a new agent join your brokerage, it's very common that we'll get online. Obviously, we follow a lot of brokers and 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 we'll see a post that has, you know, your logo, you know, is this is is the largest thing on the post. You'll see maybe the agent's headshot and you say, Welcome, you know, Betty Sue to the to the brokerage. You know, that's great. That's letting everyone know that, you know, your your brokerage is growing. But how how much more impactful would it be? If you posted a video of Betty Sue telling everyone why she joined your brokerage, yeah. right? And and so you know it, it's we're, we're we're talking about little micro steps that that can make such a big difference in that purchase in that purchase cycle of another agent who's saying, okay, well maybe I'm not ready to move today, but if if I did, gosh, that that brokerage that Betty Sue joined seems like you know that that would probably be a a pretty good place for me as well. Take it a step further, Betty Sue and all of the other brokers at your firm should be posting that. And posting on a daily basis, because then they're all staying, there's a whole different marketing strategy, but they're staying top of mind while constantly reinforcing your brand 
and all of your agents become a marketing channel for your general brand, which they already are with the signage they're putting up, et cetera. Yeah. But like digital, like the real estate industry has not taken as much advantage of this as they should. We have a couple of big real estate brokerage clients, but um, and that have done really well, but it's rare that they're looking at digital as a group effort. Like these, you know, the way agencies have been set up and brokerages have been set up is really, really bifurcated because of the way it, by nature, like they're building their own business. They pay a commission to the firm. They usually have some shared resources and that's fine, yes. but it's not like, it's not built leveraging digital in the right way necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. The power of user generating content is, yeah. you know, is, is when reach. Oh like, yeah, exactly. You know, you yeah. Got and it, an office of 50 brokers all talking about in, in the same area, all talking about your brand at the same time. They're all helping each other build that trust. I've seen your brokerage everywhere. You guys must be good. And I I know you, so I'm going to use you. Like that's that's what that does. So it helps the individual when they share, but it also helps everyone else. Yeah, that yeah that makes perfect sense too. Because um, you know, just like just like you were saying, there's 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 an impact being made of you know Betty Sue you know posting a video to your brand's um, you know let's say Instagram Instagram page. It's a completely different impact when Betty Sue's posting that to her own. Right. That, that, that already shows, you know, Hey, maybe I didn't tell Betty Sue what to say, that kind of thing. And when Rick is posting about Betty Sue. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, and there, and everyone else is kind of sharing that as well. Yeah. And then, and that builds, that builds a great culture inside of the business as well, because, you know, Betty Sue then, you know, is affirmed that she made a good choice, you know, over and over. So yeah. This is something we do. Like we even do it with our own team. Like we're in very different business, but like, Whoever is the best performer of the month, we have our hawk star, so to speak, and our whole team shares out congratulations to this person. Like we've, we call it the daily share. We have our entire team voluntarily. We don't force it, but a good portion of our team wants to share content from Hawk all the time. And they're putting it out to their networks and their audiences and their friends. It helps a lot recruiting and business. Yeah, I can, I already want to work there. And so, <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about metrics and measuring. Right. And, and what I mean by that, I, I keep looking at my notes here. Um, you, you, it, it's, it, we, I've heard you talk about, you know, three second views before and, you know, you know, does that, does that mean anything one way or the other? So, so, oh, you know, I've got a million views of this video or oh, I got a, a million followers. Um, uh, but you know, there was no change to the bottom line or minimum change to the bottom line over, you know, I'm not talking about a month, right. You could get those things and maybe not change your bottom line in six months, but, yes. um, but you know, uh, but, but, uh, but, but, no end result as far as bottom line, you know, change changes there. And, and I've heard you talk about the scoreboard before. And yeah. so, you know, you know, so I talk about that, you know, with, you know, uh, with our, with our clients and with our listeners that, you know, may, maybe, maybe you're looking at the wrong scoreboard um, when it comes to whether or not your marketing is working. So what would you say, you know, uh, would, would be the scoreboard that most people should pay attention to and, uh, and, and what to measure? Well, I'm also going to throw a curveball. Like if at the end of the day, revenue is what matters or, or whatever the goal is, obviously yep. generally we're working on revenue, but let's say it's a recruiting effort and a hiring effort, then yeah, having how many brokers are you getting in applications, et cetera, how is this driving? I would look at that over a period of time. And I actually believe like if after six months, you haven't seen any results from your marketing efforts, you're doing the wrong marketing efforts. So I do believe like, don't get caught up in vanity metrics. Right. I have, I got 69 and a half million views on a TikTok video I put up didn't drive any business for me. It's a cool, like, you know, feather in the cap of like, yeah, I went viral, but like, it's not a, uh, it didn't really do anything. It was my friend's flying car launch. And I took a video of this flying car announcement and just went berserk all over the news everywhere. Oh, um, 
And so it was fun, but it didn't do anything. And so like, I'm not going to go beat my head against the wall to try to make that work. And this is actually another good point in business in general is you should be going down the least path of resistance. What's working, focus on that. Don't try to make something work. And that's, I see that a lot. And it's, it's actually more, I pulled this from more of an investment theory than a uh, marketing theory, but I, it, a lot of times I see a lot of similarities where it's like, when you invest in a bunch, we have our venture fund. When we invest in companies, our best use of time is to spend with the best performers, not the worst. And you inherently okay. as a human being want to focus on the problems. So you go right. try to fix the broken uh, portfolio companies and you waste a bunch of time when frankly, as an investor, you have to be able to rely on the company to be able to help itself. So my best use of time is actually to help the guys that are performing do even better because we're going to get even better lever on our money versus the guy that's struggling. That's probably never going to succeed anyways, but I'm not, now I'm going to have to go spend half my time with this person. Like it's the same thing on your marketing efforts. Like if you ran a video on YouTube, that got a million views and it did nothing for the business. Don't go try to make it work it seems like it's probably not going to do anything for you. So focus on the things that are working and try to figure out how to make those better and double down on those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Well, um, you know, I want to, I, I want to ask this last question, you know, I want to be respectful sure. of uh, respectful of your time. Uh, but, but I think this is a big one when it comes to marketing or just anything, right. You've, 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 you've had your hands in, you know, so many different types of businesses um, as entrepreneurs, you know, we can go looking for those problems. Sometimes we can go looking for those obstacles sometimes when they don't even exist. Um, but I would say, you know, what, what's the, what's the biggest mindset, you know, a tip that you would give us, you know, when it comes to overcoming obstacles as a business owner, as a CEO, as, as an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's trying to think the best way to put this. Remember you like, and you're going to have hard fucking times because as a business owner, you're going to deal like, it's just inevitable. And there, yeah, I don't know yeah. a business owner on the planet that hasn't gone through difficulties and always does. And that's part of it too, is just know that like, it's never going to end. So don't think that it's going to end. Like you're going to be hit as a business owner and that is the job. And so once you find a way to accept that, it gives you a sense of freedom of like, because you when it's expectations versus reality, it's I think a Buddhist saying is like, yeah. you know, that the gap of that is where suffering comes in. And it's like, if you're, you expect shit to be crazy and then shit's <laughs> crazy, you're like, yeah, like um, that's, that's how this goes. And it helps like settle down the nerve side of it. And you just know what you signed up for. And I would say, you know, focus on that along with it being long-term, like sustainable so that you don't get, cause it is, it's hard at times. And I think as a, any business owner, like, you know, we're going, rates are going up right now. So as a real estate yeah. company, like buying's down, I get, so I now help manage our real estate portfolio and we're watching the, uh, decrease in cap rates and the increase in interest rates. It's like, we're just getting squeezed to the point that like, we probably just shouldn't buy anything for a little while until things yeah. come down. So there's a good chance that we're going to see a reduction in prices in the market. It's already happening. Yep. And it's, this is happens every decade. So take a breath. It's going to be okay. It'll last a year or two, like it always does. And then it'll start to come back and just make sure that you understand that that's always coming. So just plan accordingly. And again, take a deep breath. You've had a great few years of real estate, like Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> yeah. celebrate that, smile about it, deal with the next couple of years. We're the same way, by the way, we're pretty uh, similar in terms of our cycle. So like this year is a tight year for us. And it's like, yeah, but I had eight years of rocket ship, like we'll have to have a tight year. And there's, and again, what's really nice. And it, it, this is the other piece of this is looking at those challenges is also the place where your competitors and your, and the people around you are going to fail. 
And if, yeah. if you can get through it, you're now one step ahead, one more step ahead of everyone else is a big part of how I reconcile it. Because we've gone through our challenges constantly too. And when COVID hit, we lost a quarter of our business overnight. Like it's just like, boom. And we ended up with, that was March and April. And then our record month at the time was June of 2020. We ended up oh, recovering nice. in May and coming back and rocketing up in June, given the time. So like, what, what part of what happened there is a lot of our competitors just literally shut the doors in March and April. We're seeing it now. There are several agencies in LA on the marketing side that are just shut their doors like that because yeah. this year is a really tough year for marketing. Everybody's not hitting their growth numbers and pulling back on marketing because it's not as big of a year as anticipated. Um, and you're watching tons of layoffs in our space and companies going down. And I look at that as, you know, my business isn't thriving. It's doing great, but it's not like growing like it has been as the fastest growing marketing company in the country. But I'm like, like yeah, but it, still probably outpacing everyone else in my industry. And we're, you know, we get through this and the landscape is clear and we're in a strong position to just come, you know, jump again. Yeah. That and we watch that happen. So again, like the mindset side, it's really just knowing like you're going to deal with challenges, but every challenge you overcome is another step you took ahead of all your competitors. Cause it is a competitive landscape. Yep. I absolutely love it. <clears throat> so um, if, if our listeners, you know, wanted to, wanted to pick your brain or ask you a question that I didn't, that I didn't ask on the podcast, tell us the best way to, to learn, learn more about, you know, obviously you Hawk media, um, but, but connect with you as well. And guys know, as always, I'm going to put everything in the description below uh, for, uh, for ease of use. Yeah. I mean, if you want to connect with me, it's easy on any social channel at or slash Eric Huberman. And then uh, if you want, well, we're also happy to always run a free marketing audit. So that's at hawkmedia.com. It's pretty easy. I love it guys. And I've, and I've done that before. So um, I can, I can, I can highly recommend it and, uh, and let you guys know that, uh, you know, there's a ton of information that, that, that came from that audit as well. So um, Eric, I appreciate it so much. I'm going to put a little bow on this and, uh, and thanks so much for, for, for being on the show. Thank you as well. Well, guys, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, any of those platforms, make sure you hit that follow button. If you're watching this on YouTube, hey, how's it going? Hit that red subscribe button, that bell right beside of it. You get notified every time we drop a new episode. As always, there's no better time than the present than to go to brokerpreneurpodcast.com, see all the cool things that Matt and I have to help you grow your brokerage, no matter what phase or stage of the business that you're in. As always, we bring an amazing guest, just like Eric, um, for one reason and one reason alone, and that's because we just want to be part of your win. 